Alright, we're done. Alright, hey, welcome to uh, One Like Equals One Prayer. That's that's the name of the show, and it's the name of the show that you're listening to that's coming out of my mouth and into your ears, or uh, earlobes if you're wearing earbuds, or if you're listening to it on a loudspeaker inside of a mall, or maybe you're, you know, flying in an airplane, and uh, the pilot says, turn that off, and you're listening to us, so, but if you're listening to us on an airplane, probably shouldn't, but, okay. Anyway, on with the show. Uh, today's episode is, uh, it's a, it's a light episode. I'm calling it One Like Equals One Light, or One Like Light, because we have no real agenda, and we don't really have anything good to talk about. So instead, our makeshift topic for today is, we're going to be talking about our three favorite books, and no one cares about that, but we're going to talk about it anyway. And we're also going to talk about uh, four things that we think are currently wrong in the modern-day church. Or four problems that we see within the modern-day church. And we're going to try and offer one solution to try and fix some of those problems. So, uh, with that being said, I'm Josh Krause, and I'll be your host. And also with me is Eric Latassi. What's up? I actually did... the most boring intro in the world, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I also did the, actually did introductions backwards. And we also yeah. have Kevin Eccles. I got to go last for once. Thank you, Josh. Well, we're saving the best for last, I guess. Not really. But I don't think Josh... No, you know, yeah. My face is showing on this uh, thing. I'm yeah. No one else can see it, though, just but, you know, people imagine what your face It's really like. important that we have video for our podcast. That's right. <laughs> Only for our pa- Patreon users, you can see video of our faces. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if they pay me, I will, like, you know, if they live close enough, I will show up at their house, and we'll just, we'll record it at their house. We'll do it for, if we'll do it live. enough money. For yes. For $5. $10 gets you anointing oil. That would be more money than what the show's currently bringing in. Did Negative you? money. Hmm. I heard that. The anointing oil? Yeah. Yeah. Mark's not here. He's, he's doing... Mark things, whatever that means, I don't know. He's got a life, apparently. He's on a date with his wife. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. Good for him. Uh, the rest of us are stuck with each other. So, anyway, let's get out with it, and let's talk about our three favorite books. And I will go first, I think. I don't remember who I was supposed to go first. I'll go first. All right, so my number three book, if anybody cares... Weren't we supposed to guess? Yeah, yeah. All right, so you guys supposed to guess. So guess, so guess what my number three book is on the list. The guessing isn't happening. I it can't be. It can't actually be the Song of Ice and Fire because it's not done yet, and you're probably really bitter that it's not done. So I'm not gonna waste a guess on that one. Okay. I think that because you're a comic book nerd, and because Eric already guessed earlier, and you said one of them was right, I'm gonna go ahead and with Watchmen. Eric, what are you saying? Um, because they're ranked number three, uh, I want to say it's going to be one of those, it's going to be a, one of them's Vonnegut. I know Vonnegut is one, two, or three. Uh, I want to say Vonnegut's going to probably be number one. So let's go with Watchmen. I'll, I'll side with Kevin. Number three is A Clash of Kings, the third book in the Song of Ice and Fire series. Are you kidding me? You're, no, it's, it's the best book by far. I, I'm sorry, Josh, but you're wrong. 
Well, we just lost a friend. Yeah. You know, like. We really did. I mean, you can't cut George R. R. Martin slack like that. That is not acceptable. Yeah. It's really not. I actually honestly think probably uh, A Storm of Swords is better, but I enjoyed Clash of Kings probably a little better. I don't even know what is in which book anymore. Okay, uh, so he hasn't written any in like six years. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's just sitting there and he's like, okay, guys, when I'm done counting my money, I'll start writing the next book. Oh, wait, wait, somebody just rebought them on yeah. Kindle. There it is. I gotta start counting over. That the because... new book isn't coming out this year. He's already said. Oh, yeah, I know. It's not coming out till next year at the, at the earliest. I know. I, I cut him loose. He's dead to me. He really is. He's dead too. I just think he doesn't even write anymore. I, I seriously think he's going to die before he finishes I, it. I'm afraid you're right. You know, he gets his plan. He's going to pull a Robert Jordan, yeah. except that Brandon Sanderson is not going to be able to bail him out because he doesn't care. This is true. Eric, okay. Uh, Eric, we'll go to you next. I think your number... You only gave us one. We're like we're doing like your third, his third, my third. Should we do it, or do you want to do it all at once? I you do it all at once. Okay. Let's all not right. confuse. Yeah, I'm already confused. Let's not confuse our listeners. They're already confused too. Yeah, right. but this is basically just us yelling at each other and being witty. All Which night. is great. So, okay, number two. It's a lot of theological all right, value. Do you guys want? Do you guys want hints? Should we give hints? Because otherwise, this is random. Should you get one hint. One hint. All right. Um, it's a young adult book. Twilight? For the love of all this, holy, tell me it's not Twilight. I would see you putting it on there just to troll us. I got it. Catcher in the Rye. It's gotta be Harry Potter. Number two, my favorite second book of all time is Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. I love this book. I can remember reading I had to read it for... um, Josh, I don't know you at all. (laughs) I had to read it for a young literature class, young adult literature class. I don't know why I just fell in love with this book. I love the uh, narration because he's Holden is a unreliable narrator. Don't, narrator. don't ruin the book for me. I haven't. Read it. <laughs> you haven't read it? Okay, it's awesome. <laughs> it's a really good book. I recommend it. So apparently, I need to go read Catcher in the Rye. Yes, is that what we're doing. Now? I do okay. recommend it. All right. Do you own a copy? Can you? I do. I, yeah, you can borrow my. You should copy. just give me a copy. All right. I'll right. give you my copy. All right. I'll make sure to dog ear every other page. That's that's terrible. Just write notes in the margins. Just don't give it. To, don't to give it back to me at that point. <laughs> All right, my number one. Okay, we need a hint, because clearly I don't know you at all. Uh, it's considered one of the greatest books of all time. Okay, you're not this, cheesy enough to put the Bible on the list. This is the worst hint in the world. Um, okay, I got a better one. There's a movie. They made it into a movie. It's I a, mean, it's I, a, I'm it's thinking... A, it's, it's considered a really good movie, Do you too. feel like being depressed? Is it something, you know, like Dostoevsky or something? Like... I'm trying to figure out, like, what would Josh put as his number one? A really good book that was made into a movie. Does Vonnegut have any books that are movies? I don't know. I guarantee you they didn't make Gravity Falls into a book. Or into a movie. So it's not like one of those crazy tome-like books that (laughs) you need a companion reader. I'm going to say The Dark Knight Returns. No. No way. Kevin, do you have a guess? I'm guessing not The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm just really blanking right now. It was a movie. It's an older movie. It's black, it's black and white. So they made it a long time ago. I don't remember the exact year. But it's a black and white movie. It was a book made but into a like, movie. So post-40s because it's got yeah. sound. Yeah. I want to say it was like 50s, I want to say. He wants to say... Citizen King? A Mockingbird. 
So you're saying Citizen Kane? No, it's definitely To Kill a Mockingbird. It's To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. Another book I haven't read. That's my favorite book. <laughs> I haven't read To Kill a Mockingbird I did, either. I did teach that. and uh, It's a great good, book, I hear. It's an amazing book. I just haven't read it. You need to loan me a copy. I have a copy of it. That one is all marked up because I used it when I was student teaching. So that is a great book. Never mind, then I'll get it from the library. I don't want to. I would say that's an Amer- that is like if if America had to pick a few books that represent America, I think that should be one of them. I agree. How about Jane's Comb, the uh, cross and the lynching tree? <laughs> um. <laughs> wow, we went there. There's sure. A... I mean, yeah. I, well, guess I mean, if you're gonna put Tickle a Mockingbird on the list, you may as well go all the way. True. All right, Eric. Okay. So, book number three for me. Yeah, give us some, give sort, us some sort of hint. Some sort of hint or context um, or something. Okay. So, I will say that my third favorite book of all time is probably... A, okay, my hint will be it's a religious book. Um, and you know what? I'll make it a tie. So it's one of the other of these books. So if you guess one of them, you win. So it's everything Merton ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it might be okay. That's actually serious. In my bet. I, I bet it's, one of them is by Merton. Okay, I'm gonna say Mere Christianity by Lewis. Wait, are you trolling him right now, or does he like that book? I would have guessed that you hated that book. He likes that book. You do. There's a book he likes better, but I can't think of what it's called. I can't think of the name of it right now. Well, I've read a lot more theology than non or than fiction, so <laughs> give me hints. I might be able to come up with it. <laughs> All right, I'm saying mere Christianity. What are you saying, Kevin? Something by Merton? I was going to say something by Merton. Okay. Kevin says something by Merton. I say mere Christianity. All right, so you're both in the right direction. Uh, mere Christianity held the spot for a while, but it got surpassed by... Uh, Till We Have Faces by yeah. uh, C.S. Lewis. Oh, I knew, but it's I knew it No Man is an Island by Merton. All right, so... I was general enough to be right. I thought you liked... Um, oh, what was that book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's I thought cool. your favorite book was that book. It was that other book by the one guy, <laughs> the Christian book. I don't forget it. I'm not helpful at this point. The Five Love Languages? <laughs> That's it, Yes. No, no, I, uh, Till We Have Faces is really good. It's basically about Cupid and Psyche. And, uh, of course, uh, Lewis has no shame. He will love to blend in any mythology or anything like that. So, uh, it's really cool because it kind of, instead of asking the question of what's all loving, it kind of gets into this idea of what's purely loving, which I've kind of been on that track in a while. It's really good. I recommend it. I read no, no Man is an Island is really good by Thomas Merton. Uh, I can't really say much more about it. it, it the best chapter in that book is about being and doing. And he kind of really tell, like, tells it like it is. But to be is more important than to do. Because doing is derived from your being. Okay, and so you're saying No Man is an Island and Till We Have Aces are your number three, both. Yeah, tied. Is that three and two or those? No, that's just tied. So, for so Eric's just cheating, basically, and he has four yeah. favorite books. I have an honorable mention on my list. Okay, so. I guess that's allowed. All right, number two. Yeah. Uh, my hint is it's about the South. 
Oh, I know what it is. Boom. I know what it is. I'm gonna. I know what it is. So I'm gonna give Kevin. I'm gonna make Kevin go first. It's about this. I know what it is. It's a big yeah, hit. Knows me really well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you guys at all. <laughs> no, you are a terrible friend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's harsh. That is. You know. Eric Latassi, make a friend. Yeah. About the South. I'll probably know it when I hear it, but it's not it's ringing fi- a bell. It's fiction. I'll help you. It is fiction. I really have nothing. Like, <laughs> this exactly. is blank. Okay, it's Gone with the Wind. It is Gone with the Wind. Wait, really? Another yep. book I've never read. I've never read any other. It is really good. Um, got that famous line, frankly, Scarlet. Or not really frankly, it's Scarlet. I don't give a damn. It's great, great book. Um, it's uh, how it starts off with the South and then into the Civil War and then slavery and then they abolish slavery. It's really good. Have you seen it's the movie? It's a different take on uh, that sort of stuff. Have you seen the movie? I have not. I've never seen the movie either. All right, number so, one book. So I have, I have a quick like sidebar about this. Like I thought we were picking like fun fiction books, like our favorite <laughs> books to read for fun. And either Eric is not fun at all. Or I misunderstood the point of our lists here. I'm gonna go for Eric is not fun at all. Uh, that's my guess. <laughs> that's what I'm throwing out there. Book. All right, Eric. Number one. Number one. Um, trying to give a you know what? I'll just let you guys get it get it right. So uh, my uh, hint is Russian. Um, it's either. Anna Karenina or the Brothers Karamazov? I think it's Brothers Karamazov. That would be my first guess. I think that's the only That's voice. right. It's the Brothers yep. Karamazov. Yep. And see, now we can call back to what I was saying with Josh earlier, where if you want to be depressed, you'd pick a Russian <laughs> Dostoevsky book. It's I've one never, of your favorites. I've never read a Russian. <laughs> I've never read a Russian epic. Oh, that's I, funny. I love Dostoevsky. His writing is very depressing. Um, so basically, I mean, of course, I love Russian lit. That's basically my my thing <laughs> but brothers Karamazov to give a quick synopsis if anybody cares probably not but uh you have four brothers and the father is really a jerk an awful human being and uh he ends up getting murdered and there's this trial on one of the brothers and one of the and the youngest brother is trying to save the oldest brother from being convicted and if that story is told over a thousand pages yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more interesting because it talks about this uh, Eastern Orthodox um, priest who is really cool, uh, but I'm not going to try to take it away. Okay. Uh, Kevin, are you stalling for time over there? I see you're still looking. You're re- are you reviewing your list? Well, let's put it this way. I have four things written down, but like... If we're putting all of theological literature and like writings on the table, then that changes my list a lot. <laughs> so this is my non-theology list. Okay, so I'll this... just I'll just tell you right now they are all fiction. What? Okay, I just want to know what if the if if we were including theology, would a theology book make it onto your favorite quote favorite book? Uh, yeah, basically. Because the only fiction books that make my favorite lists are the books that make me think about applying theology in new ways. Okay. 
All right, let's get into this. All right. So I'll give you one general hint, and then if you need more specific hints, I'll let you know. There are four, because I'm including an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, I have three series of sci-fi novels by three different authors, and then I have one incredibly well-known series of books that is not sci-fi. Like, and I'll just tell you right now, if you get two of the four, I'll be super impressed. Um, Okay, so let's start with the honorable mention. Uh, The honorable mention is if you were to cross sci-fi with poetry, you would get this series of books. Sci-fi with poetry. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Hyperion. Yes, there it is. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. Although, for most people, I would recommend you stop reading after book two. Why? Because book three and four are as different from one and two as the second and third Matrix movies are different from the first. (laughs) One leaves you on a cliffhanger, so you have to pick up two. Right. Okay. But when you finish two, you can be done. If you want it to get weirder, you can read three and four. Which is, again, much like the Matrix movies. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that one. Uh, my actual number three, which probably should be my number two, but we'll just call it number three. Uh, that is the incredibly well-known but not sci-fi on the list. It's a series of books again. Incredibly well-known but not sci-fi? Yep. And it's a series? It is. It's not sci-fi. Yeah, and if you need it, I can give you another hint that, that completely give it away. Does that mean it's fantasy? I didn't say that, but yes, it is. I have a guess. Do you have an idea, Eric? Thinking. Let me know when you're when you have a guess. Yeah, don't overthink it. I'm gonna what? say Lord of the Rings. I'm gonna say Narnia. It's Lord of the Rings. Ah! <laughs> if I have to pick between Lewis and Tolkien, I pick Tolkien all day long. So far, I'm doing good. Yep. Yeah, I guess. Yep. Uh-huh. Eric's a better friend than you are, Josh, apparently. And I'm the worst friend of all, so, you know. <laughs> I'll fall asleep when I read both of them, so it doesn't matter. Okay, so this is the one that I will be shockingly impressed if you come up with this. So I'll give you that it's a sci-fi series of books. It's a trilogy and it's by a Chinese author. And if you've read this book series, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. And if you haven't, no amount of thinking will help you. There's three books. You said how many books? Three books. And it's a Chinese, Chinese author. Chinese author, sci-fi series. I think I've stumped in this one. Yeah, I don't know it. Yeah, the first book is called The Three-Body Problem. You ever heard of it? Never heard of it. All right, sweet. It it won, like, lots of awards, and it's one of those, like, spans a couple centuries worth of history. Uh, Like, it's one of those, like, big picture books where it starts out, like, talking about individuals, and then by the end of the book, it just got, like, super introspective and, like, cosmic in scale and stuff. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah. How old is it? uh, They just finished writing book three, like, a year, year and a half ago. Like, I, I started reading it and didn't realize it wasn't done, and then had to wait, like, eight months for book three, and I was mad. So, yeah. Um, okay, so... I can't really give a hint for this, my number one, without completely giving it away. I guarantee you've heard of this before. Um, 
but I would not say that if I weren't talking to you two. Not everyone has heard of these books. So that means it's sci-fi? It is sci-fi. This is another sci-fi series. It is not by a Christian author. I have two guesses. I think it's either... Uh, it's either... Um, I don't know the actual term for them, I guess. It's either the Asimov series, or I'm going to say Dune. I think it's going to be either Dune or it's going to be Foundation. Yeah, Foundation. That's what I'm saying, Foundations. Yeah, Asimov's the author. It's totally the Foundation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I got one. Eric was three for three. That's <laughs> Three for four. Three for four, yeah. Only because I picked some random no, Chinese it, sci-fi that, that has to translate no into English. No one knows what that even is. The author doesn't even know what they wrote. Yeah, that one straight <laughs> up does not make the list if I'm allowed to include theology. Like, that was just a really interesting book series. It wasn't literature. If we were going for, like, great literature that I loved reading, that doesn't make the list. Hmm. Uh, I'd take Hyperion and the Three-Body Problem off, and I'd add theology in. What theology book? Just give me one theology <sighs> book. You would Not add. Lewis. Sorry, Eric. Um, I didn't say uh, Lewis was theology. I just said I liked it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um... I would probably include either The Pastor by Peterson or The Contemplative Pastor by Peterson, for sure. Um, something by Peterson, because I see him as basically the antidote to the problems we're about to talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, Eugene Peterson? Yeah. I don't, I've never read anything by him. But. I have, like, lots of his books on my shelf. You should take some. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. All right, so now we're going to move on to our next list thing that, you know, we talked about because everybody likes lists, so let's have more of them. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit just about, you know, we're each, we each kind of wrote down four things that we thought were kind of uh, wrong with the modern-day church or some major problems that we see within the modern-day church. Um so yeah, I guess I can just go. Do we want to do the same thing where we just each one of us goes and we we do all four of our things and then, or you want to go around and do it? Doesn't matter. No, let's do all four. Just do all four. Okay. All right. I'm pretty sure no one can guess these, so we're not gonna do the guessing part. But. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay. So my number four. Um, one of the things that is weird to me that uh, I feel like is a problem even though I think a lot of people don't really see it as a problem, is the fact that we have um, how many different denominations just within, like, American Christianity? There's, like, something like 37,000 different denominations or something crazy. The people who get up to that high of a number are the people that hate denominations and want a really big number. That's right. Anyway, I uh, I guess I don't initially have a problem with the fact that there's different denominations. I feel like, it, but I feel like there's a sense of uh, there isn't a sense of unity with modern Christianity. I feel like it's very much like I believe this, they believe that, and like they can stay over there and believe that, but I'm gonna stay over here and I'm gonna believe this. So I feel like that is kind of a problem, and it just it's very much not. I feel like how it was meant to be at least, at least in the early days of the church. I feel like. Um, yeah, I guess, I just feel like that it just causes more division than what is really necessary. And I feel like it very much gives a mentality of kind of us versus them in a lot of different ways. Uh, 
my number three is um, as I feel like within the church, there seems to be more of this um, this direction now. So where it's like a focus on maybe um, group on the group as a whole rather than the individual within a church. And I feel like some of that is pushed with maybe this, you know, we're seeing this kind of rise, I feel like, of like the mega church. And I'm not saying that big churches are bad or anything. I just feel like it's very much a focus of like we're focusing on numbers as far as church goes, it seems like. I don't know. So. I think every big church is satanic. <laughs> Me too. All right. Um, but I just, I guess I have a problem with that just because I feel like people get kind of lost in the mix. And I know that some churches... We'll, we'll implement things, especially really big churches, we'll try to implement things like small groups. And I just, I don't know, I guess from my experience, I feel like small groups, a lot of times they just don't work. Um, I feel like people go to small groups, but they get bored and they fall off or people just don't attend. Or it's just, it's, I feel like it's very hard to get that small group community. I feel like it's hard to get that to work successfully. And I feel like with a really big church, it's very easy to just go for a while and just be like, you know, I don't really feel like I belong. I don't really, I'm not really getting that sense of community. It's kind of easy just to feel like the fall off and just kind of like, whatever, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't a part of it anyway, so I'm just not going to go anywhere. And I feel like that's kind of a part of the reason you go to church. Um, and I guess I just feel like as a whole, Christianity has kind of stepped away from targeting the individual and kind of looked at just, we just need to try to reach the masses as a whole. Uh, my number two uh, is um, foggers during worship, um, but not actually fog machines. But I mean, I'm saying that, but I'm kind of saying it tongue in cheek. I'm really looking at um, worship not being authentic, or more so that um, people. I feel like in worship, one of the things that uh, the modern church does is we 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 look at like emotional manipulation, and I feel like that's a big problem, just because that's very much like. A, well, it's, it's, it's a couple problems for a couple reasons, I feel like. Because one, it's, you're expected to feel something, I feel like, during worship. And if you never felt anything, then I feel like you're kind of almost looked down upon in some churches. But then also, too, that I feel like um, on the flip side is like, it seems sometimes worship is the purpose of it is to try and pull something out of you. And with, you know, the perfect lighting, you know, fog machines, what have you, just this idea that we're creating this atmosphere rather than letting it happen happening naturally. And so because of that, I feel like there's just uh, the intent there is maybe not what it should be. Uh, and I guess my another my number one thing that I feel like is wrong uh, is just and I, these are kind of the two things, but I, I guess they're they're the same is um, a combination of intolerance and ignorance overall across the board. Just that I feel like um, I mean whatever you have your you know news, uh, social media just everything i feel like there's this a large i feel like there's a large mass of fake news at this point <laughs> i hate to use that term but i don't know how else to say that this at least i just see people like believing things that are just like ridiculous and outlandish and then and then almost putting a christian spin on it that's just like not even close to anything that's true or real and also just i mean just intolerance in the sense that you know it's very easy i feel like to not accept people at least, at least Christianity seems to give that vibe. And I know maybe that's not always a term, but definitely on the outside looking in, it definitely looks like Christianity, as le- modern Christianity as a whole, is very non-accepting of others. 
I mean, I know that's probably not the case, and that's obviously been changing, I feel like, recently more so, but definitely when I'm outside looking in, I feel like that's how it looks. Anyway, those are mine. I don't know. Any thoughts? If not, we can just move on, because no one cares. I think I, uh, I think I kind of agree a lot with what you're saying there. Um, emotional manipulation is definitely still going strong in a lot of churches today. Um, I mean, I don't have to look far to see like a blog post where it talks about how if you're not putting your hands in the air or if you're not moved and, and you're sitting down looking like you're at a funeral, some people would sit there and write about that. And I think that's actually pretty sad to write and to make fun of another believer or say another believer's worship is garbage. Yeah. Uh, you have no idea where anybody in that audience is at. You, for you to sit there and say, well, God's the most important thing in that room. Yeah, and God might be in that person's life while he sits in the pew or she is outside in the foyer. So, I mean, I don't know. To me, that's ridiculous. Um, your other issues... Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to necessarily address the one with the ignorance and the arrogance, but I, what was the other one? Your other two were... Uh, uh, just I feel like the lack of uh, unity and yeah. um, kind of person versus group mentality. Okay. Yeah, I think the uh, denomination thing is a little goofy. I, I understand why. It's a very Protestant idea, um, but, it's also, but I would also argue that it's not a very Christian one. Cool. Uh, okay. Eric, you want to go with your four? Yeah, mine are kind of more broad. Uh, like I said, I, I agree with most of what you say. Um, mine is more about the church dying, and they're not ranked in specifically. But yeah, it's going to be interesting because everything I've, I'm going to probably mention and what you've already mentioned is they kind of piggyback on this idea of community. So the number one thing that's wrong with church is me. Uh, and when I say me, I'm, I am saying Eric, but I'm also saying you put your own name, whoever's listening to this podcast, in it, and that is what's wrong with the church. Because nowadays, church is now considered shopping. And I know a lot of pastors are like, oh, you shouldn't church shop. You know, it's about the community there. But I'm kind of like, yeah, but you also present your church as if it's a commodity or some type of thing to consume. Sure. Uh, don't sit there and argue that your past or your sermon is so great because then I'm now hunting for a TED talk every time I go to a church. Yeah. Or don't sit there and boast about your children's program because now I'm looking for a daycare. I mean, you you basically sat there and ridiculed me for consuming your church, but then you are basically you are putting your church on a pedestal as a consumerist idea. So, so what's wrong with the church when I say me? I'm saying. It's not about me, it's about the community. And so we all go into church thinking, oh, how am I going to be fed, or uh, how can I help others? And I'm going to be honest with you, you're never going to be fed. You're never going to go to church feeling great. Church kind of stinks, because you're dealing with a <laughs> bunch of people who are all needy just as much as you are. I mean, gosh, I have kids. They're, they've never sat, My kids have never asked me how I'm doing. And you know what? That's fine. <laughs> I mean, church is wherever I go. So... Oh. A per, so number one to me is it's me. I'm what's wrong. It's get out of your individualistic mentality. That is not how the church was before. It was a community, 
and what builds into that community. And these are kind of, I mean, you know, what, 50 years ago, we weren't driving automobiles uh, 60 miles to work, you know, round trip or whatever. That, that didn't exist. So you're not going to have a lot of church attendance or people who go to your church or, you know, don't expect a community if we boast about working 60 miles round trip away. Um, so I would say the second thing that's wrong and that church is kind of not, I don't know why we're not even attacking it, but technology. Uh, technology has its good things. I'm, I'm on a computer remote dialed in talking on a podcast. That's really cool. Uh, but what's what's really getting to the moment here? I'm not having community with anybody on my podcast talking on a microphone. I don't see anybody's face other than the lovely guys I'm watching on this video. I'm not with you. I'm not there. I'm technically in my own house. I don't even my 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 having to leave costs me nothing. So I guess what I'm trying to boil down is the church is not even attacking technology. They're not stopping the halt and saying, hey, maybe we should not just all go in and do technology. I mean, when you go to church, everybody's on their phone. I know I'm going kind of scattered here, but, you know, I get on my phone. I don't have to talk to people. I can text people. I mean, this is also plays piggybacks on number one, right? That I'm individualistic. I have my phone. I don't need other people because I can look it up online. If I want to hear a good sermon, I don't even have to really go to church because I can just find the best speaker on my phone. So technology ought to be in question, and I think that's why the church is dying, because the church can't compete with that because they're not even, they have no voice. Um, Are you saying that I should not have a hashtag for this next week's sermon? <laughs> <laughs> hashtag sermon time. Uh, I guess my third thing of what's wrong with the church is, uh, how do I put it? Well, I know for starters, we, uh, I, I had this thought the other day, how nobody, and this is going to be taboo for me to say, but nobody talks about sex in the church. And I'm not sitting there saying, well, you know, we need to talk more about sex. That's why, you know, but no one is being kind of a community about it. I mean, we all sit there and make everything hush-hush except our spiritual lives. And somehow, spirituality is not related to any physical thing that I do. So, I mean, you've kind of just made it separate to the point where I'm like, oh, well, you know, now there's the world that I, normal world that I live in, and then there's this fiction that I live in. And this fiction is called spirituality, and then there's the physical world where everything else dominates. I mean, church, this is related why would you separate the two? So you did. You said that, oh, ins instead of dealing with the issues of why, what to do about sex, uh, you know, even, hey, you're married and you, you know, have this mentality of bad sex, you're having bad sex or you're not having good sex or uh, you, you want to talk to your kids about having sex, you, you know, it, you're not, instead of sitting there talking to somebody about it and having enough trust and community to have those conversations, you just tell people not to do it. That's, I mean, and I'm not targeting legalism. I'm targeting you are not interested in having an uncomfortable conversation that you may not have the answers to. And let me tell you something, you don't have the answers to them. That's the point. Um, does that make sense? The hashtag for Sunday was going to be godly sex, so... <laughs> <laughs> sex sells. 
Yeah, no, I agree, though. Like, it's it's funny. Like, all the weddings I do, I, it has been a long time since I married a couple that hadn't already had sex. And I've done a lot of weddings recently. Um, and they're always a little surprised when I start talking about how sex is a spiritual thing. And I explain why we wait to be married. It's not because, you know, something's going to break if you have sex beforehand. It's just that... <laughs> oh, okay. Keep your innuendos to yourself, please. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to giggle, but then Josh took it there. No, like, I mean, but it's it's just this thing. Like, why don't we talk about the way it was intended to be or the intersection between sp- physical and spiritual? Like, I, I, I don't know. I agree is what I'm saying. I'm just saying it in a very long and roundabout way. So I basically targeted myself. I've targeted technology. I've targeted uncomfortable conversations that prevent community. Um, I mean... The fourth one, and I don't really have a good fourth one, we'll put it that way, it's basically going to always come back to community, it's always going to come back to, I mean, you can ask yourself the question, why go to church? To be honest with you, I have no good reason. There is no good reason for me to go to church if I have those other things working out, that I believe those other things. If, if spirituality is separate, then I have no reason to go to church. I mean, why? who are you kidding by going on Sundays and giving your little tithes and authorings and you know, making sure that your fiction side of life is going well? who are you kidding by getting on your phone and acting like that's community or, you know, you're going to go to work, but then you're going to sit, sit behind a computer. And who are you kidding in the first one that, you know, by having a consumerist mentality that you're doing yourself a favor. Um, so, I mean, what's wrong with the church, the church, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You are committing suicide. You are taking everything and you're banking and gambling on the idea that we need the Fogger machine, we need these things to attract people, but you're actually making them more consumed in their capitalistic mentality. They're never going to come to church. You, you're, you're actually promoting them to never come. Yeah, I mean, it's what I, it's what I always tell people who are just getting started in youth ministry. Never try to be more fun than their Xbox. Their Xbox will always be more fun than you, it will always be flashier than you. It's more convenient than coming to church. Like, if you set it up as this is going to be the best, most exciting place for you to be and you don't want to miss out, you're going to bleed people and you're going to bleed interest constantly. Um, it's just not what church is meant to do. We're not meant yeah. to be the most interesting and the coolest place to be. It's just happens to be the only place where we gather to grow spiritually together and to take responsibility for one another. Yeah, and I mean, I hate to say this, but I mean, like, I know I I agree that church should be always about God and we make it about God, but God should be a little bit of a minor detail if you're going to sit there and only stress God on Sunday. You've made him a minor detail, I guess I should say. And um, I, I wanted one more anecdote and then I'm done. Uh... I think it's sad. I, I did talk to somebody a, a couple weeks ago, and they, they have an app for meeting just friends. Like, not actually dating, but just meeting friends. And to me, I'm like, God, I, I can't think of, oh, what a dumb app. It just, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, have, I have friends, but I'm like, it's not, I guess what I'm saying is it's not dumb that you want to have friends. 
but it's kind of dumb that that's where society is. Society like find people. That's I have to find friends by using an app. I can't have a conversation with somebody in the store or at church. Like that's we've basically made people their devices. Yeah, Eric. I think we. I like. A, we need to make a shirt on what you said. I think church kind of stinks. I feel like that'd be a great shirt. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Ways to offend your pastor. Who is sitting in the room with you. I'm just show up on or Sunday. He's not in the same room as me. It's remote. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> show up on Sunday. Hey, Ch- hey, Kevin, here's my shirt. I'm doing a scripture reading. Church, Church stings. Church kind of stings. <laughs> Jesus wept. But hey, right. at least they said I was part of the problem. Very good. All right, Kevin. Give us your four reasons why the modern church has problems or some problems in it. I don't know. I don't even know what the topic is anymore. (laughs) I'm going to start with calling one particular person out, but only because they are indicative of the larger problem. I have nothing against this person individually. I just am really frustrated that they are able to make so much money selling books that I hate. Um, and that person is Nelson Searcy, who writes 50 billion books with 50 billion checklists and mailing lists and websites about if you only do these 18 simple steps, your church will grow exponentially and you'll be the best pastor ever. To which I just say, Kevin, you should just write a book about the 17 easy steps to make your church better, and then you would outsell him because you eliminated one step. You know, if, yeah, if I wanted to make money by totally selling out my calling and vocation, that's exactly what I would do. 17 steps. 17 steps. Just make it one. Can you just make it one? I I can. But if I told you, then I'd have to kill you. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. No, so I like, but part of it too for him in in particular is like, I hate how we took pastors who did a good thing and they served well, and then suddenly every pastor that was successful in the 90s is no longer pastoring in the 2010s or whatever you are supposed to call this decade. And now they're all writing books. And so now we're supposed to model our churches like 20, 30 years later off of what was successful a generation ago. And, like, it's just stupid. And the idea that, as a pastor, I'm supposed to just follow this blueprint and suddenly my church is going to be awesome, I just think it's bullcrap. Like, it's just intensely frustrating to me that we're going to pretend that a church is not going to change based on the people who attend. Like, if I have a bunch of people who are interested in a particular, like, way of growing spiritually... Like, what if we had a group of 20 women in our church that were like, oh my gosh, I read this book, Praying in Color, and my I am such a right-brained artistic person. Praying while doodling and coloring is like the best thing that's ever happened in my spiritual life. Like, that's going to work in like maybe one church out of 50. But if that works for your church, then go for it. You know, like, there's no one blueprint. And the fact that we keep trying to pretend like there is, just so we can make a bunch of money on book deals is really frustrating to me. Just, just have your church do Enneagram or Strength Finder or Myers Briggs, and that'll that'll keep them busy for a year or two, and so they can look more into themselves. And yeah, it would keep them busy. That is an excellent way of putting it. 
Now, I will say that I actually <laughs> do kind of like the Enneagram, but you'll also notice that I have never once mentioned it from the pulpit. Good. Otherwise, I'm going to stop coming. <laughs> you know, now it's going to make my sermon Sunday just because. Eric, you're not centered. You need to find your chakra. No, we're not coming this Sunday. Yeah, because so that's the Enneagram. Good night. <laughs> yeah, you, you skipped last Sunday too, you heathen. Um, something about being on vacation and like running a marathon or something. I don't know. Sounds like a weak excuse. Um, no. So the other one is like this focus on building systems, which is basically the same thing. I just wanted to complain about it twice, if that's okay. Um, if you ask someone how to be a good pastor, like nine times out of 10, their response will be, well, you just have to think strategically and build the systems of the church so that bra, 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 bra. And at this point, they become like the adults in Charlie Brown, where they go, wah, 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 and I tune out, and it's <laughs> awful. And by the end of the time that they're done talking, I feel like Charlie Brown right after dropping the ball in the outfield. And I just feel like everything is awful, and everything is depressing, and nothing is good in the world. Um, Sounds fair. Yeah. So, no, I, I hate the idea of building systems as a way of growing church. I think it's junk, and it's awful, and I refuse to do it. Um... Yeah, so that's awesome. Hopefully nobody who thinks I should be doing that is listening to our podcast. He's <laughs> putting himself out of a job. Yeah, well, it's okay. Don't worry, they're probably writing a, a top ten list of why they shouldn't listen to this podcast. Probably. I don't think we're relevant enough for that. No, I don't think we are. Uh, so number three on my list of things that I think is wrong with the church. Uh, bigger is not better. Period. End of story. I will not apologize for being pastor of a small church. I will not apologize for the fact that my church, I intend on keeping it small over the long term. If we get big enough, I'm going to send some people away and tell them to go start another church closer to wherever they live. Because, like, seriously, I think that churches should be small enough that you should know everyone who's at your church. I just do. And I think that growth as a measure of how healthy your church is, is accurate sometimes. I don't think your church needs to be growing to pretend like you have a good church. Um, I know of a lot of growing churches that are just absolute bullcrap. So um, they're the ones that have the fog machines. Hey, man. Yeah. So I figured I'd call back because, you know. I think the people in the church should be, I mean, if you want to, they ought to be just better people. And if they're not, then your church sucks. (laughs) Well, I mean, like growth of the individuals who attend your church should be the goal. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that results in things like numerical growth and more people coming to church because mature Christians will probably go, Hey, God is a really important part of my life. And I think everyone needs to know God because it's awesome. You should come with me to church and every once in a while someone will. Um, I think that to pretend like, <laughs> yeah, to pretend like, numerical growth and you have to grow this many percent per year otherwise nothing works um just annoys the crap out of me and i think it's junk um last one uh i think we kind of already covered this one so i will just briefly list the two things that instantly trigger me as a pastor uh if somebody says i wasn't getting anything out of church so i stopped going or the phrase i just wasn't getting fed I would like to point out that we live in a country where you can stinking get on your phone and read the Bible anytime you freaking want to, 
and you own probably three or four copies in your house that are paper copies just in case every electronic device you own suddenly dies simultaneously. Do not, for the love of all that is holy, tell me that you are incapable of praying or learning something about God without being spoon-fed. So if that's your goal in coming to my church, is that you're hoping that you can just sit there so I can spoon-feed you spirituality, this is not the church for you. Please leave. That was kind of mean. Yeah, I know. Um, I meant, okay. I meant it, though. <laughs> well, that's, that's what matters. <laughs> um, okay, so... Then we decided that we'd do one thing, even though we presented four problems, we're only going to give one solution, because that's how we like to do things. We like to, you know, not really fix things, but try to, you know, just make things... We like to muddy the waters. So, with that being said, my one thing that I would say to help fix the modern church would be to simply simplify everything. I think everything is so... I don't know, I guess things are so complicated. We overcomplicate things, I feel like, so much with just everything. I don't even know what to say. We just overcomplicate, I feel like, Christianity to the point to where it's like, I don't even know that it even looks like Christianity, what it's supposed to be. I feel like just reading what Jesus did, what did he say, how did he react to things, I feel like having that bit of information is enough, enough of a starting place for a lot of people that if we don't have that, you need to get that. If you've lost that, you need to go back to that. So that's mine, I guess. Just we need to simplify things. Eric, I like that, Josh. Um, I would say for me, you need to <laughs> you need to stop su- sucking at life and just go. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to go and be some be there for somebody else. And what I mean by that is like you don't need to join a ministry. You don't need to teach a class. You don't need to do uh, nursery, even though the church is going to beg you to do it, even though their nursery is so great and everybody needs to do it. Eric, can you do nursery on Sunday? I think we need somebody. So Actually, I'm supposed to do nursery this Sunday, but I can't. I'm gonna... <laughs> I was going to say, I think he's on the rotation for Sunday. <laughs> I'm having Pichesca do it because I have to work. <laughs> That's really funny. I to, I'm going to cover her next, <clears throat> her next Sunday. Um, Did we really schedule you guys alternate weeks in the same month? Yeah, it was kind of weird. We wanted the same week together, but it never did go that way. But whatever. Man, I really got to talk to the uh, executive director in charge of the nursery. I know, you're, you're sleeping with her, right? I am sleeping <laughs> with her. <laughs> Gosh, you think they'd have some type of, you know, pe- you know thing. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we will not release a disclosure either. We'll this is all getting deleted. <laughs> yeah, this we is would all be, getting edited out. Yeah, that, that's probably good. <laughs> Uh, it's for the best. But, uh, so I guess what I mean by that, by being kind of mean and saying stop sucking and being a good human being, it's more along the lines of, uh, you know, you don't have to do ministry. I mean, personally, I would like to just like, hey, guys, fellas, I need to talk to somebody like about my problems and I want to hear about your problems. And if your dad's in the hospital, let me go see your dad with you if you need that. Or if not, let me, you know, do something for you or let me just sit there and be there for you. Yeah. I just, none of us are proactive about it. And I think it's partially because the phone teaches me that it's okay that a text message is good enough or, you know, and I'm not trying to single people out here. I'm, I'm just saying that that is your church today. Your church today does not, I mean, yes, yeah, some people will go to your room. Usually they're older people. 
Um, but we've kind of been removed as younger kids, and none of your younger generations are going to start going to visit people at funerals. They're not doing these things because you've promoted it with, through technology, through all these things. Sure. So if you want community again, you need to force it. You kind of need to say, hey, I'm going to stop over. I'm picking up T-Bell. What do you want? Or, hey, you know, and that's just a little something. I mean, yeah, can you do like a Bible study? That'd be great, too. You can start off by reading Proverbs and realize how many of your own problems you have and point them out. You know, I think a lot of times we try to be the teacher in the class when we realize I'm not. I don't know. I think it's a big uh, Protestant thing to always be the teacher, to always have the answers you need to be okay with uncomfortability. You need to be okay with telling somebody, you know, hey, uh, sex life's not great. Or, hey, um, you know, I, I, I've been drinking alcohol too much. Or whatever your problem is. And they need to be comfortable, too. Now, obviously, you can't just do this to anyone. But I, I, I think that's the only way the church is ever going to make a comeback. Be the community that's different than the rest of the community that's out there. Because right now you are the same. You're absolutely. And by reading my utmost for its highest, by reading <laughs> any biblical passage, you're not any different than any human being on the planet. In fact, you're just just another person who has an opinion. So if you want to be someone different, you need to start being a community that actually loves each other, that actually loves other people. And if you have different opinions, if you think you should have, like, for example, gun control, if you think you're pro-gun and everybody should be of your ways, you need to be accepting of the fact that there are people out there that disagree with you 100%, and you need to be loving to them and not, you know, fight with them about it. You can have an honest discussion, but you don't need to sit there and say... Bible verses out of context or whatever, and vice versa. If you think some moron voted for Trump, if that was your exact words, you need to realize that, you know, a good portion voted for the guy, and a good portion think they're doing right, and you need to love them as well. They are your neighbor, and your enemy is your neighbor now. That is what Jesus said. I'm, I hate to break it to you. If you want to be a part of this Christian thing, you need to show the rest of the world what it means to be one. I mean, there's a reason why we all love Bonhoeffer. There's a reason why we love all these saints and martyrs. It's because they they gave the extra mile. They're known to preaching to animals, such as St. Francis of Assisi. They're known for sacrificing for their sisters, like uh, Teresa de Avila, or even Dallas Willard going to a university and being the most gentle and kind soul to everybody. Even if you don't agree with the theology, you could not... The guy was a beautiful man as far as being gentle. So I'm, I guess I'm asking you to be a community that's different than the world, and you're not. And you're definitely, by saying, oh, I'll just be holier, it's actually exactly what the community is doing. We're the most polar community in the world, right? I mean, we after this election, we're so polar opposite now that by being, it proves that by me being holier than thou doesn't work. Does that make sense? I kind of feel like I just went on a rant. No, you went on a ridiculous rant. I'm but um, you had some good points. You basically just said what I was going to say, but better and more oh. passionately. You said like 90 things. What is the one thing? The one thing? Yeah. Be a community that is loving. Be the community you want to be in, to see, that you want to have. Okay. 
and I'm not saying that's like-minded people, but that's be the community that you want. Most of the time, it's definitely not like-minded people. Can I go ahead I'm and say jerk, that so I want kind people? <laughs> when you say be the community, I think what you actually mean is love your neighbor the way you wished your neighbors loved you. Yeah. Because I mean, I think community just gets thrown around as if we know what it means, but I think that a lot of churches have proven that they don't know what that means at all. Um, so I think that it would be a lot more appropriate and a lot, it would make a lot more sense to say, you know, that you need to love your neighbor the way you wanted your neighbor to love you. You know, and that means, yeah. yeah, And that means doing more than sending texts and things like that. Um, for sure. Does it mean more than recording podcasts? Yeah. We should probably stop recording this podcast and go do one of the things we just said we should do. What a great, great segue. Menace. I do think of our podcast as kind of a ministry as far as like it, it kind of helps me think things through a little bit. It doesn't necessarily have to change my mind, but then again, it's, but I know for a fact this isn't community. You know what I mean? This is not like loving my neighbor. <laughs> no, no. I like to think my voice is loving my neighbor, at least when people hear it. <laughs> uh, okay, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, I feel that's a good way to end it. Um, follow us on the Twitter thing, one like, one prayer show. I actually got it right this time. It's pray R. It's not actually spelled out because I couldn't fit the E in there. So there you go. Uh, you can email us a question at one like equals one prayer at gmail.com. All spelled out. Uh, thanks for listening again. I'm Josh Krause. I'm Eric Latassi. And I'm Kevin Eccles. And remember, please share one like equals one prayer.